sunflower oil, purine and pret cooking fat, yum yum peanut butter, maple margarine, and niblet cheese twists present the epic casebook. In which Inspector Carr investigates. Good evening. My heart went out to the Canadian policeman who let it be known that he had captured the man who was responsible for the murder of the lumberjack and his girlfriend. You probably read it in your newspapers last week. Just before the man apprehended was to go for trial, fresh information proved the man's innocence up to the hilt. I sympathized with his comment when he told the newspaper man that the police had got to start their investigation all over again. Why all this? Well... Any police officer will tell you that the really annoying factor in an investigation is the red herring that's drawn across the detective's path, not deliberately by man, but by some quirk of fate or chance. Tonight, I'd like to refer to the red herrings drawn across the policeman's path, not by man, but by chance. In the murder case I'm going to tell you about tonight, we certainly had a shoal of red herrings and started off on the wrong foot. That's why I've called my story... The clue that never was. It all started when two members of the Margate Mobile Police Patrol were cruising along the seafront one early June morning. Yeah, it's about three minutes to six. I don't think we ought to get out of control till we're coming in. I could do with some breakfast and shut eye. Me too. Here goes. 721 calling control. 721 calling control. Over. Charlie, 721. We're putting us up in. That's right, control. Six hours of sweet Fanny Adams. What were you hoping for? The Esplanade washed away or something? Oh, all right, clever. See you in a minute or two. Half an hour. Oh, that Fred Beasley. Ever since he didn't put on control sector, there's no holding him. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Oh, all right. Hey, wait a minute. Who's that waving his arms about? Looks like some scarecrow running. That's old Harry, beach attendant. I'll slow down. What is it? Uh, uh, thank goodness you've come along. A blooming shot in sight. Yeah, what's up? Down there on the beach. I don't need a sack of chairs. Oh, she looks horrible. She's dead, I tell you. Harry, pull her uh, together. Who's dead? What are you trying to say? Can't you understand plain English, man? That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's a girl lying there on the stand. She's a pretty looking thing, too. Must have been. Must have been? Well, I'm telling you. She's dead as mutton. Somebody must have killed her. Hop in. How far down is it? It's about a quarter of a mile. I'll tell you when to stop. Although aged Harry Bridges, the beach attendant, was regarded by the locals as something of a half-wit, the two police officers soon found his information tragically accurate. They removed the rest of the deck chairs. A girl wearing a charming dance frock, shoes to match, was lying curled up on the sand. There were severe bruises on her neck. The Criminal Investigation Department of the Kent County Constabulary communicated with us as soon as they were able to identify the victim. Car speaking. Operations here. Call through from Margate, sir. A young holiday maker named Lillian Tyler was found strangled by a beach attendant at six o'clock this morning. 
An old pensioner named Ali Bridges, officer in charge, Inspector Daniels. Inspector Daniels of the Margaret CID was an old friend. I gazed with envy at his uncreased forehead and sun-bronzed face as we shook hands. I didn't think you'd mind us asking you for your assistance. Margate's lovely at this time of the year. Mrs. insists you come for dinner tonight. Oh, I'm delighted to. I've had the section of the beach where the poor girl was found roped off. My men have been searching in the sand all morning. They haven't found anything. I thought that rather than bring old Harry up here, we'd go down to the beach. That's a good idea. You say the girl's name was Lillian Tyler. She was staying at the Seaview Private Hotel. Hmm? Yes, that's right. It's just one of the very many places along the seafront. Oh, what a horrible thing to happen to the girl. Yes, indeed. We didn't waste any time. She lived with her parents at 23 Goldhawk Street, Colchester. They're on their way to identify the body, poor souls. The girl worked at a firm called the Imperial Adding Machine Company. Colchester tells us she's of a decent, respectable stock. Mm-hmm. What does your medical say? She'd been strangled between the hours of 1 and 2 a.m. this morning. That's about all we can tell you, except that her handbag was missing. She was at the Esplanade Ballroom last night. Okay, shall we go down to the beach? A British seaside holiday resort in the early summer. Squawking, swooping seagulls, the happy shrieks of excited children, the sounds of the merry-go-round from the distant funfair. Sometimes I wished I were a novelist, able to paint word pictures of the sharp contrast experienced by policemen whilst investigating a murder. All around me were fellow human beings exulting in the joy of being alive. Whilst not very far away, there was a middle-aged couple named Tyler shedding tears at their daughter's death. Harry Bridges was the local character, all right. He knew it, and he lived up to it. Down the crows. How many more times? All right, Harry. Look, I've read your statement, but you can't trust these youngsters to be accurate. Now, can you? Now you're talking. You can't write it, and you can't. Now, you're a nice upstanding fellow. Living in the army? Yes. Uh, you wouldn't believe it to look at me now, but I was King's Corporal in the London Rifle Brigade. Now, I... All right, Harry. Now, let me say that with the newspapers. Now, then, this... Here's the spot where you found the body, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you right? That's so, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, Harry. I'll give it to you from the beginning, will you? Well, uh, I've got to get the chairs up by seven, see, you know. They wouldn't think it. I'm 69, come next week, Lubbish. Don't want to go rushing around at that age, do you now? <laughs> so I give myself plenty of time. Always comes out here about six o'clock. Before I leave last night, I stacks all the chairs up. That's what the army does for you, mister. Neatness and tidiness, that's to be my own. Well, now, this morning, I start to take the deck chairs down and... Now she's what I think is a shoe. No. Now see, there's a foot in it. I says, crikey. Crikey, there's a dead body here. She was cold, Miss Two. She was cold and dead. I've seen a few dead bodies in my time. Let's be so, Addy. This girl's been done in. Better get the cops. So I starts running towards the police station. Along, along the seafront comes a police car. And it wasn't my responsibility no more. So you say she was cold. Does that mean you touched the body? Well, I only touched her ankle, huh? You didn't attempt to move. Oh, no, sir. You sure, Harry? Uh, you're like all the rest of them, you are. You think I'm not quite all there, is that you? No, 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 no. I'm the I think you're very much all there, Harry. Uh, you didn't see anything. The handbag, for instance. No. Here. Not accusing me of pinching a poor dead girl's handbag, are you? Oh, all right, Harry. Keep your few remaining hairs on. 
Right, Daniels, I don't think there's anything we can do here. I'll go and have a word with the owners of the place where she stayed. And when the police came and told me, I couldn't believe it. Minnie had been staying here for three years running. And I said, girl, you couldn't wish to meet ever. Well, what did she do last night? She went out dancing, didn't she? Yes. With an awfully nice boy, Brian Keating, you know, of the Keating's Pork Pies. Father owns all that new estate up on the bluff. You say that when she left here, she had a handbag? Yes. I saw them both go. Do you know whether she had much money in it? A funny thing you should mention that. She said to me yesterday, I wonder if your bank will cash a cheque. And I said, of course, if I signed the back of it. And she said there was a dress she was going to buy. She cashed a cheque for £25. Did she come down here alone? Yes. You see, she had to take her holidays in June, because the whole works closes down. Oh, she had lots of friends here. Oh, I do feel sorry for her parents. Brian Keating was in his late twenties. The cut of his clothes, his silk shirt, large, expensive sports car, together with his own rather overassured and slightly patronising air, spoke of overindulgent parents. My dear Inspector, I hope I'm not going to be dragged into this. I mean, I didn't know all that well. You know, a chap makes hay while the summer season lasts. The local girls are a pin neck. You say you didn't know Miss Tyler well. How well did you know her? Well, I met her for the first time last year when she was down. I was uh, taking out a girl in the state of the Seaview and got introduced. I think I took her out once last year and... Oh, dash it, she's only been in Margate five days. And how many times have you taken her out in five days? Twice. She came down on Monday. I saw her as I was driving along the seafront to see what talent there was. Uh, you know that sort of thing, Inspector? Why should I? I beg your pardon? Carry on with the statement. You were cruising along the seafront, you saw Miss Tyler, and you dated her for that night. Yes, yes, that's right. And the next time, Miss Well, last night. I phoned her and asked if she'd come to the Esplanade Ballroom, and she did. What time did the dance end, or didn't you wait for the end? Oh, yes, the last waltz is very necessary to a chap if he has to create the right atmosphere. Well, what time did the dance end? At uh, 1 a.m. I see. And then what happened? The two of you left. What did you do? Oh, that's just it. Nothing. What do you mean? Uh, well, there's a cunning little spot, it's none of the three nuns. Uh, the cliffside's been worn away, and when you're out of the boat, it looks for all the world like three nuns staring at you. Well, the kindly municipality's provided a resting place, if you see what I mean, for where the families to sit. We call it lover's bench. And is that where you took Miss Tyler? <laughs> no, dash it. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We got out of the Esplanade Pavilion. I left my car on the seafront. <laughs> And with that, she went running down the stone steps. Well, I wasn't going to run after her, so I got into my car and went home. And you never saw her again? No. You sure? I'm not getting special. Stop acting the fool. You may be a conceited young pup, but I don't think you're unintelligent. You must know the spot you're in. A girl is found strangled. She was killed in the early hours, and you were her escort. You'd be better off if you admitted that you're frightened. Yes. 
Yes, I am. All right, come on, come on. My father is standing as counselor. Publicity, he, he threatened me before that. I suppose my name will be brought in. You'll be a major witness at the inquest, whatever happens. All right, Mr. Keating. That'll be all for the moment. Who have you got, Sergeant? Young Keating. Remember that statement he signed saying that Miss Tyler refused to go in the car? Yeah. Oh, just a minute, sir. Well, you come through, Mr. Jones. I hear you don't, Will. Now, will you repeat to the inspector what you told me? Certainly, Sergeant. On Friday night, I finished work at about quarter to twelve. I'm waiting at the senior hotel, don't you know, and I went with my girlfriend for a little fresh air. We were on Pilgrim's Beach. We were by the seawall in the shadow. Doing nothing wrong, mind you. Yes, yes, yes. Go on. And I said to David, I said, listen, Mark, that stupid Mrs. Bellingham says once more that our soup is cold and let her have it right in the face, indeed, you're going to say, Will. Are you sure, Mr. Jones? Are you sure it was Miss Tyler and Mr. Keating? Of course I'm sure. It was right under the lamp, down on Esplanade. The sergeant here came to the sea view to ask me about the young lady. I told him I saw them both last night. What time was this? Well, no, Inspector. My girlfriend and I were having a cigarette and chat like. I couldn't quite tell you the time, but it was well after one o'clock. Mm. How do you know that? Stand to reason, Inspector. We were listening to the band. The music was coming from the Esplanade ballroom. Always stops at one o'clock. It was after then. Thank you, Mr. Jones. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, you'll be prepared to sign a sworn statement. Oh, yes. Right. You'll be a major witness when Brian Keating is put on trial for the murder of Lillian Tyler. <laughs> Mr. Jones's testimony was corroborated by his companion, Miss Ada Baxford, and that clinched it. A warrant was issued for the arrest of Brian Keating, and he was brought in. So, you said goodbye to the girl when she refused to enter your car, and then she went tripping merrily down those stone steps. Isn't that what you said? Why did you kill her? I didn't, I... I didn't kill her. You spun me a tissue of lies. Yes, yes, I did. I, I was afraid. You knew it too, you said so. What happened, Keating? Did she resist her advances and so in a frenzy of rage and disappointment you strangled her? I didn't, I tell you, I didn't. What sort of story are you going to concoct this time? This time, I'll tell you the truth. I had tried to get up to come for a drive, and she wouldn't. She said she wanted to walk. We both went down those steps, and I... Well, gone. Well, you're not going to believe this. We started walking on the sands. Can't we take your rest? Let's stop for a bit. We're taking a walk, and if you don't want to walk, go back to your car. But it's so much nicer than three years. Brian Keating, who or what do you think I am? One of the nicest girls I've ever met in my life. <laughs> okay, I know I'm beating. Oh, Brian. Why do you act like you do? You've been sweet all evening. Once we're alone, you put on this great big brash act. Do you really expect me to be cheap and common merely because we've been out together once or twice? Do you want to know something? I've never asked myself that question. Sorry, Dylan. Where do you want to work? Thank you, Brian. You know what all the girls call you? The Great Cal. Margate Casanova. Do you like having that reputation? Yes. I don't know if they're shocked. What else am I? 
I want to dare the same as you the rest of you. You wouldn't. I'm just nothing. I'm just a rich man's son. I'm a boy, huh? If I left home, I'd starve. See, guys, you've got to have a reputation for something. Bend your face down. There. You're just a silly little wounded boy. Now, please, Brian. Go back to your car. Let me walk on my own. Yes, sir. Can I see tomorrow? Yes, of course you may. No three months? No three months. Good night, dear. Good night, Brian. I went off. I went to bed. And I was awakened the following morning by a policeman telling me that Lily had been found dead on sands. Can you imagine how I felt? That's why I lied. All right, take him away. Once we handed over our prisoner awaiting trial, my job was virtually done. All that remained was for me to draw up the dossier for the public prosecutor and have myself ready to appear as witness for the crime. But I couldn't leave. Daniels was jubilant. Oh, congratulations. Inspector Carr has done it again. Quick work. That bag would be a piece of vital evidence. What happened to it, I wonder? The oldest gag in the world. He took it in the hope you'd see robbery as a motive. Get your boys to search his place, will you? Yes, yes, I will. You going back today? No. No, I'm not. Do you know, boy, I've been a little slow on the uptake. What do you mean? There was a piece of evidence that should have hit me in the eye, and it didn't. Do you know the trouble with the hair of Margaret is this? It soothes you into a state of cerebral somnolence. What on earth do you mean? That <laughs> I've been asleep, it's all. Asleep? A few minutes later, I was in the office of Mr. Edwin Moore. Mr. Moore, I understand that you cashed a cheque for £25. It was drawn by a visitor, but endorsed by the owners of the Seaview Private Hotel. Yes, that's right. Uh, we don't really take chances with holiday visitors, but uh, if the owners of the hotel act as guarantors, there's very little risk. Why? Oh, I see. It's this poor girl who was murdered. Yes, yes, it is indeed. Who knows? It may lead us to the murderer. Eh? But I'd read that young Katie... Please, was... Mr. Moore. How was she paid out? In ones or five pound notes? Oh, I don't see what... <laughs> well, I'm of course I do. Um, if she was paid out in fibers, we'd uh, have a record, eh? <laughs> Just a moment, please. I'll find out for you. Chance, circumstance, fate, call it what you will. The sequence of events that put Brian Keating behind iron bars awaiting trial took a different turn. Uh, here we are, Inspector. Five five-pound notes and uh, little numbers. Thank you, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Moore. Operations? I want you to get hold of ex-branch ops. Give them these five serial numbers. Tell them to put out a top priority circular. If anyone tries to cash one of these notes, we want to know who it is and where it happened. Oh, are you still on that case, sir? The Margaret case? Yes, of course I am. What do you think I stayed behind for? A free trip on the scenic railway? Oh, sorry, sir. The case against Brian Keating was very strong indeed. No one had come forward to substantiate his claim that Lillian Tyler was alive when he bade her good night. Then there were his lies and evasions. Once the completed dossier was sent to the public prosecutor, his chances of acquittal would be slender in the extreme. And then it came. Carpicking. Operations, Inspector. I've got some news for you. Yes? 
A five-pound Bank of England note number, GJ17543-2, is in the possession of a Mr. Field. He's a pawnbroker. Got a shop at 26 Ancient Way, Margate. He can describe the person who gave it to him. That's wonderful. 26 Ancient Way, you say. If I hurried, I could get there before he closes. I must take possession of this note, so you get a receipt for it, and I promise you I'll not be financially the loser. Oh, that's all right, sir. Being a port banker, I've had dealings with the police before. It's lucky I looked at the list I read it, sir. Yes. Yes, I understand that you can describe the person who gave you this five hundred. Describe him? I know him. It surprised me. It took out his row of medals. By that, Mr. Field, do you mean he redeemed his row of medals? Yes, that's right, Inspector. Poor news were so quick. You mean Harry Bridges, don't you? Your description fitted him. Fitted him? He oh, was him. Everybody knows how to hurry. Mr. Field, there can be no mistake. You're absolutely sure, because you'll be asked to swear to the veracity of your statement. <laughs> Inspector. Oh, hello, Harry. You're busy. Yeah. Always busy this time of the year, sir. How do you finish at night? Oh, you know, oh, I'll set one again. You know, I want to go from six o'clock in the morning. You know, some nights I don't leave until eight o'clock. What do you do around about one o'clock? I mean, one o'clock in the morning when the crowds have gone, it's quiet, dark. Do you like to come down on the sands at that time of night, Harry? Yes. Now, now. Hey, what you getting at? She's a dirty boy, Harry. She's a husband, somebody's daughter, like your daughter. What are you doing? Hey, what are you getting at? I suppose it was the medal. What? It's not fair that a man has to pawn his medals after being a king's corporal, is it? Was it the handbag she was carrying? Harry, you could have got two quid some other way. You didn't have to kill a girl to get her bag. No, 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 I didn't. She was walking alone. I tried to snatch her bag and run, and she struggled before I knew what I was doing. She got me arms round her throat, and there she was. I covered her up with her deck chairs. No, but somebody else found her, because they know it was my deck chairs, see, so I covered her up. I did. Stayed beside her all night. And I see the police car coming. I, I didn't mean to kill her. I tell you, I didn't. What did you do her. with her hand? As soon as I asked that question, he fell on his knees and began to scoop with his hands frantically, like a frenzied dog searching for a bedded bone. And soon, he dug a pit almost three feet in depth. A sudden flash of white, and there was the handbag, and the case of the murdered girls completed. Huh. I wouldn't have given two cents for that boy's chances. What made you suspect old Harry? Well, I didn't in the beginning, but after Keating dropped his pose of the conceited, arrogant, rich young man, I soon became aware that he had more qualities than were apparent on the surface. But above all, he wasn't made of the stuff that produces murderers or maniacs. Frankly, I wanted to find the guilty party elsewhere. It was going over the evidence when something hit me. Something old Harry said. What was that? Well, listener. Inspector Daniels was in the dark. Were you, or did you notice something vital in old Harry's testimony which pointed to the possibility of him being the culprit? In case you're not sure, just ponder over it for a little, listen to some good advice, and I'll be back in a moment to tell you. Well, did you get this week's clue? Not sure. Well, it's this. If you remember, Harry, in his first statement, said... Oh, the deck chair's down. Yeah, she's what I think is a shoe. 
You see, there's a... Christ, dead body here. Stops. Thanks to myself. Hey, this girl's been done in. You better get a cop. Got it now? Giving such a cursory glance, why would Harry think this girl's been done in? Oh, the moral of the story. If you're an old dog keen on burying, rather use old bones than handbags. You may finish up six feet deep yourself. Good night. The Epic Casebook was produced by Michael Silver for the makers of Epic Pure Sunflower Oil, Maple Margarine, Yum Yum Peanut Butter, and Niblet Cheese Twists, with Hugh Ross as Inspector Carr. Listen again next Thursday night at 9.30 to another exciting story from our Epic Casebook. Thank <laughs> you.